Ben Franklin here to talk to you about your water heater. A water heater is a vital part of your home's plumbing. When it doesn't work, it can really freeze up your routine. Call the pros at Benjamin Franklin Plumbing about water heater options for your home. Visit BenjaminFranklinIowa.com or call 319-365-6792 to request an appointment. Terms and conditions apply. Call for details. Independently owned and operated. Licensed in their respective state or county. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Garden of Doom. And this week we have a special episode where we're going to talk about vampires. And vampires from a particular perspective. And that perspective is not mine. The entire audience gasps and sighs in relief. Uh, our special guest today is See the Superior. And... Her self-written intro is virtual assistant by day, YouTuber and geek enthusiast by night. So welcome in, C. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I love the topic of vampires. Full, um, full, full disclosure, I am not the authority on vampires or anything in the occults. I just have like a passion for literature and film. So, And I love to hear myself talk. <laughs> okay, well, good. That, that, that's sort of me, too. Um, she's lying, of course. She is a vampire. This is her attempt to make it, make it a cover. You are now listening to The Garden of Doom with Jeff Lipman. Sometimes the world no longer needs a hero. Sometimes what it needs is a monster. Audience, let me give you a little bit of background on how I know see the Superior. And truth be told, I don't really. Um, but we were both with an outfit called Unpopular Review. I was on the wrestling side. She was on the entertainment side, primarily. Mm -hmm. um, she predated me with that group, so I, I don't really, I never really quite understood the structure of it all. Um, but we had some overlap. There, there were there were some overlap, especially with the Snyder Cut of um, mm -hmm. Justice League, which. The Unpopular Review Entertainment section uh, did a review show on it. And check it out. I'm not with Unpopular Review anymore. I don't think C is either. But check it out. It, 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 they did one. And for the most part, I think they loved it. Now, me and this other guy, Caden, who were on the wrestling side, and neither one of us is with Unpopular Review any longer either. Um, but we didn't love it. And we yeah, and so we did something. Well, it was his idea. It was called the Caden Cut. The Caden Cut. Yeah, so so check that out too if you want to hear our thoughts on the Zack Snyder Justice League, um, because that, for whatever reason that 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 movie is polarizing. It kind of kind of reminds me of, of certain fandoms where they just have to love it so much. But but then I hear from other film of, uh, aficionados who seriously love it. Anyway, that's not our topic today. That is just a little backstory as to how myself and C got acquainted. Um, you know, we became friends on Facebook and, uh, you know, we have, you know, some common interests. And so, yeah, I recruited her to talk about, uh, some vampiric issues, um, which, uh, you know, so she was reading books on vampires. I've read a bunch yeah. of books on vampires, uh, probably some of them are the same. Most are probably different. Um, I have a feeling she read all the ones I read. Uh, I probably just didn't read the one she read. Um, and we'll talk about film too. So, See, I'm going to let you kick it off, and you can tell the folks a little bit about you, where they can find your stuff. And you, by the way, this is a free plug zone, um, and <laughs> you know, all my guests are free to promote any of their stuff. 
And if they ever want to use the audio, they can they can use it too. Just I ask that they give it a give it a week or so, you know, after it drops here. But no anyway, problem. see, just All dive right. on in. So I I do sometimes appear on UPRE still every once in a while. Um, so shout out to them. I do um, have a YouTube channel where I talk more about anime. If you're into anime, you can reach me at See the Superior on YouTube. And I also have a virtual assistance company where I help business owners to um, handle their daily tasks behind the scenes so they can focus on the bigger picture of their business. But outside of that, I do like to dabble in literature and film. So <laughs> this is what we're talking about today. So. Um, not long ago, I made a post or I reposted a post about a book, a little known book that was written way back in 1819 called The Black, the Black Vampire Legend of St. Domingo. And I've never heard of it before. I was just really um, shocked to see that this was a book written about a vampire, specifically a Black vampire many, many years before um, Bram Stoker's Dracula came out. So Dracula came out in 1897, and this book was first released in 1819, which is really cool because um, for years, people thought the first appearance of vampires in literature, like fictional literature, came from Dracula. But it was actually from this book called The Black Vampire. And... Jeff saw my post and he, you know, invited me on the show. So I went on the journey to find this book. Like first I checked the library. <laughs> they had like one copy in the whole of the United States. And um, they, uh, I checked Amazon and they had it. Some people go straight to Amazon. I like to avoid it, but that's another topic of discussion. Um, so it's a really short book and it's about a hundred pages long, but it is not, let me say, it's a, it's a product of its time. So it wasn't an easy read by any means, but it was uh, really informative. So pretty much not to go too in depth in, about the book because we do have other topics, um, but it's about this slave who was killed by a slave mas master. His name is Anthony Gibbons, um, the name of the slave. And he comes back to kind of, seek his revenge on the slave master and almost the rest of his family pretty much. But it was a really interesting read, like I said, in, in the way that you would have to take yourself out of modern times and, and plant yourself into that time period. But and the reason- Classic revenge story. Yeah, classic revenge story, really interesting. And I and wonder, did, did you see any, I'm sorry to keep speaking over no, you. No, go ahead. Did you see any parallels? Because, I mean, it struck me, it's the plot of Candyman, which, of course, the plot of Candyman it seems actually to be the plot of this book. Um, mm -hmm. Do you think that maybe the, the makers of Candyman might have been influenced by this book? You know what? Um, there are some similarities because when he does return as a vampire, he ends up marrying the his former slave owner's wife. So there is like this, uh, I guess, obsession to a point that he had with the, with the female lead, um, but more in a way to get his revenge, not necessarily like a sexual or romantic connection. But That's yeah, you know what? It's, it's a little, it's a little, a little edible once removed. And you know what? It's not 
not that far cry to talk about Jonathan Harker and Mina Harker with uh, Dracul. Mm -hmm. It's, you know what, I think maybe it could be a possibility that there wasn't some influence there, even though this is a lesser known book, but those in the know obviously would, would be in the know. Well, but, yeah, um, Bram Stoker would have, would have been one of those in the know. And, and uh, you know, he didn't pull this out of nowhere. Um, so I'm sure he had influences as well. Probably. But there, um, of course, vampires existed in like folklore and, you know, word of mouth for many, many years prior. But actually to be written down in, in a fictional tale, I think this was the actual first one. But um that takes us to um, a couple years later. So Black vampires kind of disappeared for many years um, up until maybe like the 60s, I would say. And again, like I said, I'm not the authority on all things vampires. I just know like a couple a couple key points. Well, you're so, already here, so stop oh. saying. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a film that I recently saw um, called Blackula. I'm sure you've all probably heard of it. Of course. Yes. <laughs> so I... Uh, now, not the Eddie see. Murphy uh, version. No, okay, that one's a couple years later, even though yeah, I did like, watch that one. Like, like um, 1974. Um, Blackula? Yeah. Yeah, I think it came out like 1972, but somewhere around there. Yeah. And it... Let me be the first to say that the 70s were not my favorite era of film. Like I'm not into 70s movies like whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a task watching this movie. But again, um, it did have the vampire theme. He was originally a, a prince um, from some African nation. He goes to visit Dracula to request his assistance with um, ending the African slave trade. At which point Dracula turns him into a vampire, pretty much. Now, now, wh why did he think that Dracula would help him with that? <laughs> what, what, what part of the the the, the tale of Vlad Teshpesh says that that he he's interested in, in people of color other than putting their heads on pikes? Who knows? I don't know if maybe he was just like you know just trying to get something going. <laughs> it was like, look, United States clearly isn't going to help, so let me try over here in uh, Transylvania. <laughs> Good point. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, you know, maybe the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I don't know. Yeah. So this movie was interesting in the way that um, it had, of course, it was essentially a love story. Um, after Dracula came out, people tended to like romanticize vampirism um, when originally it wasn't that way. These were scary demons, stories that you would tell to um, explain away illness and stuff like that but later became romanticized. And this is like the film adaptation of the romantic vampire <laughs> in Blackula. Well, so, sure. Well, also the, the 70s. And, and uh, by the way, shout out to our producer today, Anthony Missionary Thomas of Wrestling Soup fame. He's mm -hmm. confirmed that 1972 is the correct year. And yes, of course, there were a lot of black uh, black exploitation films then, yes. which we we all know, and and the Wayans brothers, you know, made made an art of it. And I'm going to get you sucker. So, uh -huh. <laughs> so that was the the era of black exploitation, and but I will say that they tried to give him more of a more substance 
than they usually would in film of that time. He was, you know, very intelligent. He was, you know, capable, powerful. He was in love with this woman. And it wasn't too stereotypical as far as the main character, the, the side characters, maybe so. But it was an interesting film in the way that it gives you a little insight, you know, a little more insight on things. Yeah, Blackula was, I mean, the, the name is probably the worst part of it. Yes. Uh, but, but I guess it is grabbing it. You know, if you if you want to see the movie, it's a pretty simple message. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it, it, you're right about all that. And and you know, of course, coming from royalty and wealth, it was a different different story. So um, now he came to the United States. Uh, you know, what what year? What was this taking place in when he he has, uh, he visited? Uh, Dracula when and he came to the US when around I mean ballpark um I'm not sure exactly um at the beginning when when the begin when the when the movie starts I'm not sure what year it's supposed to be I'm assuming of course sometime around the the uh, slave trade but I don't think they put an actual date and if they did I must have missed it but of course the bulk of the film takes place in the 70s and it's about him trying to find or rekindle of romance with who he believes to be his the reincarnate of his lost love. Um, so that took place mostly in the 70s. But, That's um, funny because the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula stole that. They, they used that because that was not in, in the book Dracula. Mm, what year did that come out? I've never seen the, the, the movie. Oh, you never saw Bram Stoker's Dracula? Um, it, it was probably in the 90s. I'm sure our producer will put it in there. I would say 94-ish, somewhere around then. Um, mm. But, you know, in the book Dracula, which, I mean, the the, the way of the storytelling is very interesting. It, it's basically letters, and there's no narrative. It's all, all the narrative comes from letters from various parties to various parties that strung together tell a story, not not always in the right order. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the Mina Harker obsession... Um, I think it was just Dracula wanting what he wanted, or he he, you know, sort of absorbed some of that passion from you know, uh, you know, eating Jonathan Harker, um, <laughs> or whatever the case was. But in the movie Dracula, um, you know, which was sort of a clumsy attempt to explain how vampires came to be, and they made Dracula the first vampire, at least uh, that we know of in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically it was that, uh, his wife died and he blamed God for it. And God cursed him by me with eternal life without her and turned him into a vampire. Um, and the same actress, I think it was Winona Ryder. I'm not sure about that. She, um. Oh, this is the one with Keanu Reeves in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's, oh. I can't remember the guy's name. He's a pretty famous actor. Um, a- anyway, he does a lot of overacting in in in, in as as Dracula. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say Daniel Day Lewis, but it's not Daniel Day Lewis. It's it's like the other guy who became famous around the same time. Um, anyway, it'll come to me as soon as we got there. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same actress played both of them, and when he saw Mina Harker. He thought it was the reincarnation of his wife. And in fact, it, it may have been. Um, but that's that's weird because it wasn't in Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
the book, the novel. Mm -hmm. uh, so possibly that was stolen from Blackula too, or maybe I missed the entire subtext or plot point in Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I have read more than once, once as a, you know, like in high school and then one once as an adult, but mm -hmm. maybe I missed it both times. But you know what? Reincarnation of a lost love seems to be a reoccurring theme with these um, vampire films because um, a couple years later, um, The Vampire in Brooklyn came out, Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy. And of course, that takes place in the 90s in Brooklyn. And he is on this mission to, um, I guess, find his lost love or find the last remaining vampire who's a half vampire. I think her name was Rita. And she is like a, a reincarnation. She doesn't know she's um, she doesn't know she's half vampire. And I guess there was some subplot with her mother who passed away. But long story short, that was another film that uh, featured, of course, a black vampire. And the first time I watched it for the first time last night, I've never seen this movie before. <laughs> so as I'm watching it, it gave me very much coming to America just with like the vampires. It was <laughs> Eddie Murphy does this thing where, of course, he um, plays multiple characters. You know, he has on, you know, the makeup and different things. And it just struck me again how vampirism and romance seems to intertwine themselves like the vampire became sexy suddenly from its from its origins and that's just really interesting to me and the fact that it's played by eddie murphy and he has on like this wig and contact lenses it's <laughs> it was hilarious it's very cheesy and, and this was you know eddie murphy was a giant star there and i'm not sure this movie helped him any um but he was a giant star in comedies but he also sort of was one of the pioneers of the cop buddy comedy but serious like it had elements of both and mm -hmm. sort of that really didn't exist before the 80s things like lethal weapon and 48 hours um e even like you know some of the schwarzenegger movies where there was comedy and action in the same in the same movie that that was sort of a new thing mm -hmm. um now it's everywhere um but People, I still think, weren't buying Eddie Murphy as anything other than a comedian. And, and I think he wanted to do more, but he couldn't quite reconcile, you know, give, giving. It's like he didn't have an editor. He he was sort of going in both directions or maybe he didn't have creative control. Anyway, yeah, that that movie was not my favorite. I actually prefer Blackula to Vampire. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting because I actually thought it was a funny movie. Like I, I, it was, it was cute. It was, there wasn't much substance there, but of course it's a comedy. So it was, it was a good time for me, but I'm, I'm shocked that you didn't enjoy it. I, I didn't say I didn't enjoy it. I just preferred one to the other. Like to me, the, the, like to me, vampires aren't funny. So I don't want <laughs> my vampires to be funny. Like I didn't like once bitten, um, and, uh, you know, I'd like love at first bite, but I was like 10. So, of mm -hmm. course, I liked it, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, it was just a silly movie. Mm -hmm. But to me, vampires, I mean, it's sort of like the opposite of, you know, God. It's, it, it's like the, it's like the demon. Demonic, yeah. Here forever, lifeless, but undead. Um, but, you know, accrues knowledge, wealth, 
wisdom and uses those all, you know, for ever better, you know, schemes of evil um, mm-hmm. with only a, a few weaknesses. And, you know, this is sort of, um, I mean, almost like the Mandarin in, in Shang-Chi, uh-huh. um, you know, sort of the same thing. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right that the vampire became like a romantic figure and, you know, and Blackula, you know, it was, it was a little horror, a little, you know, Billy D. Williams, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know mahogany movies, you mm-hmm. know, all, all of that stuff. But, uh, you know, you also had the, that was the era of Superfly and Shaft yeah. and, all, and all that. So there had to be sort of the, you know, the music and the thugs and the this and the that and the fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I think it's it's great that that book in 1819 exists because if I hadn't encountered you with that post, you know, I, you know, obviously every people, every country, every island, every you know region has its own lore and legends, but a lot of it overlaps. But if I think if somebody was to say something like, "What do you what do you think about the Americas?" You know, uh, Black and African American lore, you're probably going to think mostly things tied to voodoo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's probably the big one. And then Candyman probably comes up. Um, mm-hmm. But to, but to know that the vampire was, you know, the first literature, or at least that we know of, um, was written by an African American in 1819. That, that, I mean, that that's an amazing find, and that's something I, I I damn sure didn't know, and I'm I bet a lot of people didn't know it as well. Yeah, you know what the the author was um, disputed after it, the author was actually well. Let me say this: the author of the Black Vampire they had the the pseudonym of Uriah Derek Darcy. And later there was a, a man that came forward and said that he wrote it. His name was um, uh, Robert C. Sands. But the popular belief of the author, um, people believe it to be this other guy. His name is Richard Day, And he was um, a very religious figure. And I think he was um, a theologian or something along those lines. And that was the reason why he kind of had to um, separate himself from from the work and allow Rick, um, Robert to take credit for it because, again, his religious beliefs. And at the time, it was um, it was kind of polarizing because it does have that undertone of um, of of uh, freeing the slaves and all of that. So it was actually written by a white guy about a black vampire, which is interesting. But um, back to, oh. to um, Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like I said, I did enjoy the film Clearly. and it does have that romantic aspect. And you did mention something about this, this godlike complex of vampires. And, and when you see where, um, where they originally started, of course, as demonic figures and then it does come into the, um, the romantic aspect plays really heavily in vampirism. And also their power sets became so varied. Like you have the vampires that can read minds. You have the vampires that could turn into bats, vampires that can turn into anything like we see in um, in Vampire in Brooklyn. So it does seem that the longer the, the lore goes on, the more things are tacked on, you know, which is interesting. Well, that's that's all lore. I mean, the, you're always trying to make your protagonist more and more powerful, and the villains uh-huh. more and more. I mean, you know, it, 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 
you know, I, I'm older than you. I, I grew up probably 70s, 80s comic books. And, you know, Black Panther was basically Daredevil with sight. You know, now when you see the movies, Black Panther has a vibranium suit, you know, which is bulletproof, you know, gives him super strength. He can call upon the power of the Panther and do energy rays. You know, mm -hmm. when I'm growing up, the Scarlet Witch, you know, she had her hex. She was powerful, but, you know, not not like considered, whoa, she can destroy anyone. Now, you know, if you talk to the real Marvel heads, it's like she's the most powerful creature in the universe. And that yeah. seems to be where the MCU is going. When when I was growing up, you know, uh, Dark Phoenix was, you know, the most powerful thing or maybe, you know, Galactus or some, something mm -hmm. like that, um, you know. Now everyone is. It's like, no, Doctor Strange can do this. No, the Hulk can't be beat. No, Thor is this. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, that, and that's not even really getting into the, the villains, except for, I guess they came up with like a, like basically their vision, their version of Satan, which is Mephisto, who's, you know, mm -hmm. you know, you know, unstoppable. And of course, DC did the same thing, you know, all of their, you know, Aquaman went from a guy swimming around to, you know, super powered, could basically fly. Wonder Woman basically became like a rival of Superman. And, yeah. And Superman know, started all with all that OP stuff. Like he's very overpowered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 and then, you know, Dragon Ball Z to, uh, apparently took oh, yeah. it to another level uh, where people are trying to, I don't even, I don't watch Dragon Ball Z, but I, I don't see the people are. <laughs> right. Well, I might one day um, <laughs> get you started. I'm not going to start on it, but um, the, like the, the, who is it? Is it Ghetto, Gecko? Goku. Goku. Okay. <laughs> so, so people are like, is, is Goku could kill Superman. It's like, shut up. <laughs> yes, that is a very popular versus battle. Like they always want to see Goku versus Superman. I'm, I'm more inclined to believe Superman would defeat Goku, but you know, there's always people believe what they want. You know, it's fans on both sides. Absolutely. But that, we're, we're digressing. But I, that's yes. what I do. I meander. The Garden of Doom is, is, is like a swamp and we have uh, tribulets and, and egress and ingress and things like that. And, you know, it's a closed universe. So where, wherever you start, you always end up at the finish. Um, yeah. Um, like Land of the Lost. Um, <laughs> so um, after um, Brooklyn and um, Vampire in Brooklyn, right, just a couple years later, this is when vampirism in film took another turn. So this is when Blade came out. And Blade, of course, is very popular. And it it flipped the genre on its head, being that these are not really romantic vampires. They're not, you know, sitting up in their, their, their castle somewhere looking um, very uh, regal. These are dirty, dingy, like scary figures that are coming to attack you. And the fact that Blade comes, he's half vampire, half human, as you know, Day and Walker. he's an action hero. He's a superhero. He's, he's, he's fighting. A deep. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, he's got his sword. He's hacking away these vampires. And it's just really cool because it, it does, you see the turn again. It, it turns into more of a, a, a action type of a genre with Blade. Wesley Snipes for 10 years was so cool. <laughs> Yes. He was, he was, he was everywhere. Like he was the popular guy. I think before this, he did, um, what was the name of that movie that came out? He was what, you know, what was it called? New Jack City. He was in New yeah. Jack City and yeah. he was so cool in that one. And I think he just took like that, that cool guy essence and brought it to Blade because Blade was cool. He had the glasses. Awesome. 
<laughs> yes. Everybody wanted to be Blade because he was kicking A. He had the glasses. He had the sword. And he was just everything that you want to be as like, you know, someone cool in the 90s. I mean, the so, opening scene is we're going, we're seeing a rave party that the vampires lure, you know, mortals into, and they they make it rain blood through the sprinklers, and then the, mm-hmm. the vampires come in to basically, you know, slaughter everyone, feed or turn, but mostly feed, because those vampires are the, you know, the goth, you know, the young, sort sort of like the Lost Boys looking vampires, the nine hundred two one zero turns into <laughs> vampire types, and then, and then in the middle of it, Blade comes in, which they only call him the Daywalker. Mm-hmm. Comes in and you know, and basically slices and dices them all up, um, including the what's what's a Donald Logue who who's been an actor forever and everything. <laughs> he, he keeps cutting off his arm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's just a really great film, you know. And I did make three of them. I think the third one was kind of bad, but the first two, wow, Chef's Kiss. <laughs> yes, the, th- the third one was more than kind of bad. Actually, you know, the second one was okay. It was. The, the first one, standalone, is just a, it's a classic. Okay, okay. I, I really enjoyed the second one. I think I might like the second one better than the first one, but it's been a, several years since I've seen it, so. It, it was okay. It, it was like, it was like in Serbia, and then it, it, there was like a, it, like the vampires evolved into more of like, sort of like the strain type of like, almost like, par- not parasitic, like uh, viral vampires where they, their jaws unhinged and they sort mm-hmm. of became like a, like a like a Venus flytrap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was younger, something about that villain was doing it for me. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, that's neither here nor there. Right. But um that was a really interesting film and it became so successful. And you know, it's thanks to Blade that we have, you know, Marvel movies later down the line because um it was so successful. Yeah, but, um, it actually was a lifeline for Marvel that which was financially struggling at the time and Blade got Marvel to X-Men, which, you know, and the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Fantastic films, by the way. You know, well, the third one, who knows? But the first two, like I said. <laughs> I, I, I like them all, but yeah, the first really? one is, is, yeah, sure. I mean, listen, you know, first of all, I you know, I was a kid seeing superhero movies on films, um, which, you know, was rarely done before in high quality. And, you know, I'm just seeing all of the different uh, characters that that you know I loved reading about on screen, so it, it almost didn't matter what the story was. I have seen them all more recently, and yes, I you know there's almost no plot in X three, but I, I like it. I like West End. I, I thought it was cool. I, I liked how Colossus was almost featured because mm-hmm. he was he was huge in the books and in the movies. You know, barely. I mean, I understand how they were trying to build towards sort of a next generation because people in real life age in comics they don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I was happy to see Colossus. I, I mean, the stuff of the angel was stupid, and his father was that was stupid. But, yeah, you know, what, what can you do? A uh, producer has said Blade was the main character in an entire genre of Marvel folklore. I, yeah, I'm he was. Surprised. He was that guy. <laughs> yeah, what people don't know about well, anybody who knows Anthony Missionary Thomas knows that he's a comic guy, uh, and he's much more of a comic guy than than I am. I mean, I basically stopped. In by the 90s, if not by the late 80s. Um, but you know, so Thanos, I, I didn't, I don't know who Thanos is, so I'm happily along for the ride. I, you know, I knew Captain America got killed, but I didn't know how. I didn't know what happened afterwards. I vaguely remember that the Falcon took over as Captain America, and 
then somehow they brought Steve Rogers back and stuff. But I wasn't engrossed in those books. I, you know, I, I just mm -hmm. sort of was vaguely aware they, they existed. I, you know, me, it all stopped with Dark Phoenix, but then to see them basically, you know, start with the Dark Phoenix and Magneto stuff, I'm like, this is amazing. This is like, you know, it's like validation of my, my youth was no longer misspent. It was properly spent. <laughs> right. <laughs> now you have all this information. That's right. So that's uh, anyway. We but we can we can move. We can do superheroes another time. I mean, I I, I can talk forever on these things. Um, but but uh, Nish is your guy. By shout out again to him. Um, I have a feeling you're going to go to um, to Underworld pretty soon. You know what? Underworld came out a couple years after Blade, like not even long after. Um, and you could see the influence as far as the dress, like um, your producer brought up this image of Blade and you can see he has on, you know, the bulletproof vest, the leather and Celine, very similar in look. She does have the the cool leather jacket, the, the, the like bulletproof vest almost. She's very um, early 2000s, I would say. That's the early 2000s Matrix Blade aesthetic that was really popular. Um, I did enjoy those films also. Again, the first two, the third one is so-so. I don't know what's going on with this third one, third movies for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, They went beyond the third movie and they did something like the, the Revenge of the Lycans or something, which was awful. Um, yeah, they, they mm -hmm. sort of lost their way. Um, but yeah, the first two are great. But, but I mean, the first one, again, classic. Yeah, I agree. And um, Kate so Beckinsdale, chef's kiss to her too. Beautiful woman, beautiful woman. She did a great job portraying the character and um, her little love interest, handsome man. So great casting all around. <laughs> what happened to that guy? It's like he disappeared. Who, who knows? He just dropped off the face of the earth after these movies. Who, who is it that's in a hit and that's going to have a franchise and decides to leave? I have no idea. And the guy who played the wolf, he just took it and ran with it because he. we will talk about him later, or at least a franchise he was in momentarily when we get to twilight but he was, uh, he was michael corvinus yes and he, and he was the first offspring of a vampire and a werewolf mm -hmm. which let it be known that those two races didn't need to be at war they could sort of be like uh the angels and humans and and form the nephilim the perfect mighty race mm -hmm. so he he took it and ran with it but um this um after, after Blade and, of course, right around the time that Underworld came out, there was this movie uh, movie adaptation of Queen of the Damned. Yep. And it was written, of course, by the, the queen of vampirism, at least um, of that time, Anne Rice. And I loved these books. Like, I've read all of the vampire uh, chronicles. Uh, I've, I, I love these books. My stepmother is the one who introduced me to these. Mm -hmm. And... When I saw the film, right, of course, Lestat was miscast. He should never have been cast as that. Um, the actor shouldn't have been cast. The hair was wrong. The vibe was wrong. But Aaliyah played the queen, right? And she did a really fantastic job. She looked alluring, mysterious, powerful. And she played, of course, the queen of the dam. She was the original vampire in, in this um in this franchise or in this realm of vampires. And I thought this movie, even though the, the main character Lestat was a little off for me, 
I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to lie. Um, but again, we people to... like that movie. That was it. Was actually a good movie. It was a fun movie. It was scary. Yeah. The the soundtrack was pretty good. I was feeling it. Look at beautiful. They mm-hmm. actually look really good together. So I it's can't super... even hate. She's looking a little Egyptian there, and he's like in the more typical goth. Yeah. So um, she oh, was actually Gary a Oldman queen was the name I couldn't think of before. What was the name? Gary Oldman. He played Dracula in the in the oh, Bram Stoker. Yeah, you're right. He was everywhere back then. So um, Aaliyah did play uh, Queen Akasha, and she does have that Egyptian aesthetic because she was the queen of uh, Kemet back where, where that's when she became a vampire. She was the first vampire when she was queen at that time. And Kemet literally means black sand or black earth. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's why how they got that look. And it's, again, really beautiful, um, really alluring. So that was another great representation. And this is when we get to um, the another shift. I have that same outfit, by the way. Oh, you do? (laughs) Shame you didn't wear it this evening. (laughs) Yeah, it looks better on her now that I, now in hindsight. But um, it was after this that vampire and vampire films kind of went silent for a while. Vampire and literature went silent for a while until the modern day queen of vampirism, like it or not, Stephanie Mayer came out with the Twilight Saga. Gross. <laughs> not gross. <laughs> These, okay, this book and, and this saga books was the book of my childhood. Like I read these all through high school. I was in love with these books. So I can't even go into this without that bias. I'll just be honest. <laughs> it's okay. We we are all a, a symptom of our times. Yes. So again, like we we spoke about earlier, the um the the legends of vampires, everything gets added on a bit. So up until this point, vampires could not walk in the day of, uh, unless you're like ha- half and half, like Blade Daywalker. But in the Twilight franchise. They can be in the day perfectly fine, but they have to remain in at least a gloomy setting because they have this sparkling skin, <laughs> <laughs> which is very controversial, more so than anything else in the book. I believe this is probably the most controversial aspect of these vampires that people talk about till this day, the glittering skin. What do you think about it? Uh, the glittering skin? Um mm-hmm. Uh, conceptually, I, I'm not sure. I never saw any of the Twilight movies and I never read any of the books. Ooh. My ex-wife, we were married, obviously then, she read them all and I think she wanted to watch the movies, but I, I think I tried to watch one of them and fell asleep. Oh, man. I love these films. Um, and Well, the first three. And I regularly go back and watch them. Maybe about once a year I go back and watch these movies. <laughs> I don't know. This but- was... You know what? And and I made an effort to read the Hunger Games books afterwards because uh-huh. I, I didn't want to like not have another phenomenon. But the thing is, I read the first book and I'm like, I already know what's going to happen. And and my ex-wife, again, wife at the time, said, no, you don't. And I, and I said, this is what's going to happen, blah, 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 blah. It's very obvious. And she's like, yeah, you're right. You don't need to read the other two books. But, but, <laughs> I, but, I, but I did. I, I, I read all three because it was like popcorn. It was easy. It's like, you know, beach reading. And so mm-hmm. I could see why it was a, a, an easy phenomenon, something that parents could 
share with their kids and, and you know, but still be different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't love the movies, but we're not really talking about that. But uh, yeah, Twilight, though, you're right. It, it reinvigorated the genre and probably led straight into True Blood, which is which was a little bit darker. Yes. And then, you know, it also led to more literature that came out like The Strain, The Historian, The Passage uh, trilogy. Um, awesome. There was other, there were other vampire books that came out. And so I, I want to, for a second, be, because there, there wasn't a complete lull. There was this guy named Bernard Lumpley who wrote a series of books. I mean, when I talk about a series, there might be 20 of them. And the main character, the first book is called Necromancer mm-hmm. or, or something like that. And it's, he's British. So it, it's like a vampire book, but it's tied into like, British science fiction, which uh, I have a show record on British science fiction, which is going to run sometime in October. Um, but I don't like British science fiction because it always takes it like 17 layers too far. Uh-huh. So basically it starts with this guy, his name is Negro Sani, and he stumbles upon like a, a vampire tomb and the vampire can speak to him because he can speak to the dead, which includes the undead. So the vampire is speaking in, in Negrosani's head all the time, and you hear him going, Negrosani, Negrosani, and trying to influence him to do, you know, things. Um, and But what it turns into, you know, from a really cool premise of, like, the vampire trying to get this guy to maybe be his familiar and his, and his minion and, you know, free him or whatever the case may be, is that it became, you had the British Secret Service trying to get Negrosani onto their team. And they're like basically building the X-Men um, <laughs> to, but the Russians were also trying to get him because the Russians also have like their own X-Men type. And then all of them have backstories and all of them have backstories and their backstories have backstories and the characters have sub-characters and like all British science fiction it never stops until the, you learn about the politics of the fleas on the mouse. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so I, I was out and there was a, also, a, I think her name was Tess, or some, something like that. She, she wrote a whole bunch of books with, which was basically like True Blood on steroids for kids. But they, mm-hmm. but they existed. There's also a really good book by, I think her name is Isabel Rosanova or Rosanostra, and she wrote a book called The Historian. It's mm-hmm. damn near a thousand pages long, but it's worth it. And it's basically someone who finds out that they are an ancestor or or they're searching for the historic Dracula and as it turns out, like Dracula is still alive and was sort of protecting them. And, and they may be, they might be a descendant of Dracula. Dracula is their ancestor, but it's, it's spooky. It's good. It's got history in it. It's sort of, it, it's a good read. If you, it, you know, it's sort of like you take like a James Mishner or Edward Rutherford historical fiction and mm-hmm. turn it into a mystery book with a little bit of horror in it. It's just cool. I really enjoyed it. See, yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to to read those, but I, I do know that there, there were a couple like vampire books coming out, but none of them had that same popularity, like, you know, the Anne Rice books or um, the Stephanie Myers books. I think True Blood, I actually did read that series before I saw the show and the show was fantastic. I was a big fan of the show, um, but the books, I enjoyed the books up until a certain extent, much like the show, because after a while they started bringing in fairies and all of this other stuff, cats, and it just became, like you said yeah. about the British science fiction, just it's 
too much, you know. Season one of True Blood was fantastic. Season two was pretty good, but I got out pretty quickly because they're in this small town. What was it called? Like Bonaire or something like that. Uh huh. Bon, is it Bon Bon Town? Bon Town? Something like that. Yeah, Good Times, right? <laughs> and uh, and after a while, I preferred Good Times with with Jimmy Walker. Um, but uh, it 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 was like a town. Like I re- they would say that the the population you know sign at the beginning of the show, and it was like it's not like twenty three hundred people in Bon Town. And it's like every third person had some sort of su- supernatural power. So, mm-hmm. so it wasn't that super, you know, <laughs> sort yeah. of routine. You just had to figure it out. Like I'm, I'm cool with the vampire. I'm cool with the werewolf. I'm cool with there being an occasional witch. I'm cool with there being, you know, uh, what was the woman? She was uh, Admiral Kane uh, in it. Uh, she was she was like a naiad. She was basically like a, 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 a harpy, a water sprite, like mm-hmm. a, like a sex goddess, uh, basically. Like one of those, but like there was like everybody was something. Everybody yeah. had, you know, every there was no, no one in this town that, that didn't have some sort of power. But yeah, mm-hmm. season one I thought was great, and, and it started losing it after that. I I probably watched. I don't know how many seasons did it go? Like six? Uh, too many. I I know that, but it was. <laughs> I think the first three seasons, I think, or maybe the first two seasons were good for me. But after that, you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. What it is. They, they. It was. It was like the old Batman movies where, you know, they start with one villain, and by the third movie, they need to have four villains in every movie. Uh huh. So, but bringing it back to Twilight um, and Black Vampires, there was this controversy because they, in the books, there was um, the one of the members of of this villainous group of vampires um, by the name of Laurent. He was actually white in the books, but they changed him into a black character. And there was this whole controversy about, you know, him being in the movie and all of that. And he had such a small part that I really didn't think it mattered one way or the other. You know, if he was black, if he was white, you know, <laughs> but he was in that film. And in um, every vampire in that movie was, I don't know, they definitely used every penny in the budget for flour or powder because they just baked everyone's face <laughs> with <laughs> this white chalk of, of a layer of white chalk and he was no exception. There he is, Laura. Uh, so very pretty. Right, very pretty. Um and after Twilight, of course Twilight reinvigorated the the vampire scene. Everything was about vampires for a while. Um, and it seems like vampire um, vampires come back into favor every couple of years because Buffy was very huge back in the day, right? Sure. And good movie. Yeah. Oh, the movie. Yeah, good movie. Better than the show. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I like the show, I, but I didn't watch it religiously. But yeah, I. I'm always going to prefer like an encapsulated story. I mean. I just thought it was it was fun and different. You sort of had the cheerleader, you know, mm-hmm. killing the vampires. Um, you know, it was sort of like a a girl power version of the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, by I, the way, it's a great vampire movie. I've never seen it. <sighs> Get off the show. Get out. I've never seen it. And the thing is, I've heard about it so many times. I know it's really popular. I just well, never sat down and, and took a look at it. One of the best last lines of a movie of all time is uh, this entire time you think most of the town is clueless expects especially the grandfather and the the 
boy and his grandfather are, are walking away. And I forgot the name of the town. Let's just say it's Long Beach. And the grandfather says to the kid who just finished this epic battle, killing the vampires. And he goes, that's always been the problem with Long Beach. Too many damn vampires. <laughs> See? <laughs> and I've heard that the main character in this film is what inspired Spike in the Buffy franchise. Um, the, like the way he looked and everything. If you remember, Buffy was kind of stuck between later in the seasons between Angel and Spike with the blonde hair. Yep, I remember. And, yeah, so apparently his character was modeled after um, Z-Link in Lost Boys. Well, I, th I think the leader, well, the, the anti-leader, but the leader of the um, bad faction of the vampires in uh, Blade also was inspired by the look of, of the, uh, um, oh my, why can't, Jack Bauer. Why can't I remember his yes. real name? Sutherland, <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland's character's look. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a very influential movie. I just never sat down and took a look at it. So I, I will have to do that over this weekend. You will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's you know, it's it's worth your time. So, yeah, but yeah, definitely the Buffies and then Angel had a pretty successful spinoff run as well. Mm -hmm. And then you had, you know, this, like the CW, like the almost like the rom-coms. They, you know, you had like the Supernatural and the Vampire Diaries. Yes. Uh-huh. And that was another very popular um, show on the CW. And it was, again, re, um, adapted from a book. The book was horrible. I hated the book. I've read it and I, it, I, I couldn't even, I barely finished this book because it was so bad. So I think the show did it better than the book for probably one of the first times that the show did better than the original source material. Which one? But um, The Vampire Diaries. Yeah, the Vampire Diaries. Like, actually, I like the Vampire Diaries more than I like Supernatural, which I, I'm told I'm very much in the minority with that. Mm, okay, Supernatural. I, I would have to agree because I was a big fan of Vampire Diaries, the Vampire Diaries, but I've never really watched like a sat down and like been binge watched Supernatural. So I, 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 we both are in that minority together. They were on Netflix for a time, so it was sort of easy. See. <laughs> so, um, actually, and it was the spinoff of this show, uh, bringing it back to um, vampires or black representation in the realm of vampires, called the the originals that came out shortly after the Vampire Diaries. I think they actually ran at the same time for a, a moment in time, and there was this one vampire who was turned from a slave into a vampire, similar to um, the Anthony in the black vampire and he was a main character in that in that series again i've ne I've never really got into that one as much but apparently he has like a big following i want to say his name was marcus or yeah he, he he and he had a he was like sort of like a, i'll just call him a local prince in new orleans he had a, a lot of power mm -hmm. so i never got into it but i i just wanted to bring attention to him because he was also Oh, the originals. There it is. That's that's right. The originals. There he is. So um, when you originally approached me about um, us sitting down and talking about it, we just we talked about how um, we're going to discuss, you know, vampires and African-American um, lore. And I, I thought it was just a really interesting topic because um, more so than any other supernatural genre, I feel like Black people have been represented the most in the realm of vampirism, you know, and, and I always wondered why that was, because um, you rarely ever see like 
let's say werewolves, black werewolves or, or black aliens. So maybe more so in recent times, but usually not. But when it comes to vampires, there's always like, there's always a representation there. And I was asking myself, why, why is that? So I was thinking it's because maybe there has always kind of been like this, how do I want to say it? That Black people or, or Blackness rather have always been associated with the supernatural kind of in a way, kind of um, in less flattering terms when you think about Black magic and stuff like that. Right. But even dark, more recently. Dark has always been associated with evil. There's light and there's dark. There's yeah. day and there's night. And one is good and one is bad. And, you know, a lot of things go back to something that simple, which is. Yeah. Which is ridiculous, but I guess semi-understandable in a primitive way, anyhow. Mm-hmm. So, but even more recently with the hashtag Black Girl Magic, there's like always like this association with um, Blackness and mythical, magical type entities, right? So I'm thinking maybe that has something to do with it, why there's um, such a presence of Blackness in the realm of vampires, more so than any other. I also think that there's another thing about it, and it's similar to like the X-Men and mutants. When you when you become a vampire, you you become part of a third and distinct separate race that all humans are theoretically united against you. And so your outwardness no longer defines you, your skin color no longer defines them, your your gender, your ethnicity, your you know, whatever country you're from, the fact that you're a vampire. And you need to leave, live in secrecy and then feed on blood uh, defines you. And, you know, I think that that's empowering, but it's also sort of egalitarian. Now, of course, all of them have different, you know, tiers and levels and there's hierarchies and elders and this, that and the other thing. But mm-hmm. but once you're once you're a vampire, it doesn't matter what you were before you weren't. It doesn't matter if you were a Christian, doesn't matter if you were a pagan, doesn't matter if you were black, doesn't matter if you were Vietnamese. You're you're now a vampire. That that that's it. That that is that is your identifying characteristic. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, you know one of the things Mish pointed out is that the reju- the rejuvenation of the um, vampire genre got us off of the zombie genre, which was all played out, and you know, <laughs> and and then came made a comeback again, and you know it sort of played out still. Though uh, I don't know, you know, there's sort of room for everything nowadays. Yeah, zombies were really big for a while. And I think um, especially in areas like Haiti and stuff, zombies and like voodoo have a really big influence there. And he wrote, does Egyptian immortality have a lot to do with the crossover of vampire lore? Possibly, you know, there is um, possibly that crossover, which is why we may have seen Anne Rice bring in um, the Queen Akasha from Egypt. I I think absolutely. I think it, I think it all goes back to it goes back to Egyptian or Sumerian, take your pick. Um, but all of the the oldest mythologies, because you're Greek and you're Roman, they were basically takeoffs on on Egyptian. Uh, and you know, and, and I think to a certain extent, and I know all of my shows go back to this in one way or another, and I always have to sneak a reference in. But I think it all goes back to the you know the the idea of the Anunnaki or the Watchers and the Fallen Angels and and the mm-hmm. Nephilim, which were, you know, in, in some views were the heroes of renown or the, the great men of renown, but also 
demonic spirits. And I think it all, I think all of that, you know, all of that immortality, but not God immortality and not, and not even angel immortality, but maybe part angel, all comes back, all goes back to that region of the world. Who was first? I'm not sure. Whether it was Sumerian or Egyptian, don't know, doesn't really matter. You know, whenever, but whenever you get into Sumerian, you get into Anunnaki, then you get into the Indian Veda. Whenever you get into Egyptian, it inevitably takes you to Atlantis, you know, and, and <laughs> the old ones. Um, and, you know, anything with immortality, it's anti-God, anti-deity, anti-good, you know, that, I mean, almost all, almost all religious beliefs, whatever they are, have some sort of duality, you know, a, a, a yin and a yang, a dark and a light. Very true. And the whole subject of Nephilim, I don't want to go too far off, but I, I, I find it very interesting. There were, were a couple of books that I've read when I was younger that um, focused on the Nephilim. And of course, they were written in, was that the, was it Enoch or? Well, yes, they're in the book of Enoch and the Dead Sea Scrolls, but but they're in Genesis. And the the Nephilim is what probably started this show because I, when I was bored in services, I would pick up the Bible and I would I would read the book of Genesis and I never got past the Nephilim. I'm like, what the hell are they? <laughs> what are they supposed to be? And then that page was ripped out of the Bible, that whole book. <laughs> well, there's plenty of copies, so I never had to deface a book. But uh, <laughs> it's easy enough to find. And then, you know, it takes you down a rabbit hole. And then I read another book. Maybe, maybe you read it too, called The Book of Joby, which was not a great book, but it introduced me to this whole other theory of Nephilim and, and you know, uh, fast forward to now and I'm involved in the Nephilim anthropology conference out of the UK. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a, a, a lot of fun. So everything goes back to the Nephilim because the Nephilim is sort of like the uh, uncle of the show. See, very interesting. The book I've read, um, read on it was um, called, it was in the Immortal Instruments series. And for a while, it became very popular. They had a movie that was kind of trash and then a series that was a little bit better. But that was kind of my introduction to the Nephilim and all of that jazz. Very cool. All right. Well, I, I do think that they're all related, but definitely Egyptian because Egyptian is much more well preserved. Uh, you know, once they got the Rosetta Stone, we could translate Egyptian language. And, and you know, we still haven't fully... Um, translated all of Sumerian. I think we have a pretty good idea of cuneiform now. Um, but yeah, so, but but definitely tied to it. Also in some of the more popular books, uh, like the Strain series, which they, they made a TV show of it on FX, um, which the first book, by the way, of the Strain is fabulous. The second two books, they get increasingly worse, but basically the Strain and the Passage trilogy um, they're both based on vampirism being sort of a virus. They call them virals, uh, at least in one of the books. Mm -hmm. um, but the cause is the great worm. Uh, and so you have little worms in you that goes through your blood that changes your body. But the great worm was in Africa. Um, I can't remember exactly where in Northern Africa, um, maybe Algeria, but it doesn't matter. It's all, you know, it's... It's all of that lore is going to spill over both east and south. Um, and, you know, I mean, you know, obviously in Europe, you've got the, the Strigoi, 
and the mm-hmm. oompier and the woompier. Um, but yeah, I, you know, there's a lot of ties to uh, Africa and Pan-Africanism um, w- with, uh, you know, immortality, not just in voodoo and zombies, but with vampires too. And, and the great worm and the, the great worm is something that's, that's in a lot of uh, animistic uh, and pagan religions. Um, as is the great serpent, mm-hmm. as is the serpent. So, yeah, even in North mythology, they have like this um, huge serpent. I forget the name, but it was some offspring of Loki, and he is actually the one that ended up kill- killing Thor in, in, in the mythos. Well, they but, kill each yeah. other. Uh huh. So it's 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 always interesting to see how there's this similarity between these different beliefs and and folklore. Yeah, and Chinese dragons look more like snakes than they do of like you know, you know, Saint George killing the dragon or you know from the Hobbit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very true. Also a Shang Chi's thing, but yeah, let's 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 get back to your narrative. Um. So yeah, that's um pretty much the more modern vampires that I, I've seen, especially ones that um have African American or or black representation. Um. Since Twilight, of course, it did create this boom of of um, vampire movies and even like um, just not even dealing with vampires, just fan fictional <laughs> offsets like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey and all of those other books that came out that were really inspired by Twilight. But um, as far as representation and vampirism, I, I'm not sure of anything beyond the originals that has come out that actually had any um, African-American representation or anything that has been focused centrally on vampires since then beyond, there's really been no shows coming out as of recent, um, no popular movies that I know of. So it seems like it's, it's almost time for the resurgence, because again, like I said, it seems to come out again every couple years, every couple years, vampires come back into favor. So I, I'm interested to see what the next era of vampires, what it would what it will bring. Right. And our producer put on up, up on our screen that there was a cat goddess in, in Egypt that may possibly be the world's oldest vampire, at least for uh, Recorded, obviously, there was an oral tradition before. But let me read a quick passage. I'm not going to tell you where it comes from. Some people might recognize it. But what do you think this sounds like? He who drinks from my mouth will become like me, and I will become like him, and the hidden things will be revealed to him. So that's from the Gospel of Thomas. That, that, that's, that's, from the, that's from the New Testament. Hmm. So he who drinks from my mouth and becomes like me? Sounds yeah. like a vampire, right? Yes, it does. <laughs> if I can tell you the Gospel of Thomas, could that could that have been like a, a scene from, you know, uh, where an evil vampire turns a, you know, their their prey and makes them their familiar? And and I, I got this from a book I uh, and a guy I'm going to interview pretty soon called uh, "Censoring God" by a, a gentleman named Reverend Jim Willis. He has a lot of interesting books. He's not your typical Reverend, let's put it that way. And he's been a Reverend for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, in any event, well, I'm not the only person out there that, that came to this conclusion because there's a show on Netflix that just dropped, and I'm already half through it, called Midnight Mass. 
And it's like the same thing. And I highly recommend, especially if you like sort of slow burn, sort of more psychological thrillers than sort of slasher, um, you know, CGI quick, you know, screen fest. This is, this is more of like a, like a seven, like a Rosemary Babies kind of uh, cadence, but uh, I'm loving it. I think it's from the same people who brought us the uh, ha- uh, Hill House, the Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. and, and the one that came out the year, the next year. I, I, I am having senior moments all day today, but, <laughs> but I, I love both of the shows. The one they had Henry Thomas in it, they had Car- Carla uh, Giugino, who, oh my God, <laughs> talk about a boyhood crush. Um, uh, but th- th- those are just great shows. They're like beautiful ghost stories. And this one is a vampire story, but it's very much tied into religion. Ba- basically, I don't want to ruin too much, but the, the premises is a old priest, you know, is, he's from a small island and they put together all this money because he's been on this small island his entire life, which is maybe, you know, somewhere in New England-ish or, you know, New York. It's got a very north, northeast rural kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um and they, they pay for him to have a mission, a, a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And he sort of gets lost from his group because he's sort of senile and wanders off a lot. And they lost track of him. And he basically walks the road to Damascus, walks into a sandstorm, finds like a tunnel or ancient structure. And in it, he finds what you and I would call a demon. Um, but he's he's so old, he can't see. And there's like a little thing of light over it, its head that makes it look like a halo that he thinks it's an angel. He's convinced it's an angel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it, you know, it drinks him and then lets him drink from him. And basically, you know, I'm not going to give up any, any more than that. Um, it's pretty obvious, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, 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 ch- chances are that it's not actually an angel, but does beg the question is, were there ever angels? Mm-hmm. I'll add it to my watch list. We got uh, this Midnight Mass and we got Lost Boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one is probably like a 10 or 12 hour commitment. The other is just like a two hour commitment. But uh, I, I definitely recommend it. By the way, the book, The Passage, I know that's not on your list, but I thought the book, The Passage by Justin Cronin was great. And the ending was perfect. And it was so successful that I am convinced that the publishers say, turn this into a trilogy. Cause I, I don't, because I read the second book and while it was okay, it changed the ending completely. And I don't think that's what the author intended, but when they say, we're going to give you a boatload of money to write more books, you don't say no. But mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I would recommend reading the passage and screw the other two books. Don't, don't, don't bother if you can do it. <laughs> and everything has to come back to my favorite book of all time, The Descent. Um, because it's not specifically a vampire book, but everything that everyone's afraid of, everything that's paranormal, everything that goes bump in the night is answered in that book uh, by a race of people called the Hadels. The movie The Descent is loosely, 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 loosely based on it. So if you saw that, if you loved it, it's not the same book. If you hated it, it's not the same book. It's com- It's completely different. That's another one where... There's a sequel. It took like 10 years or 20 years to write the sequel. It's enjoyable enough, but honestly, I would tell you, just stop with the descent and don't bother to read the second, which is called Deeper. Salem's Lot. That, that's probably one of the more famous vampire books, Stephen King book. Um, and they're, they're, I think they're making a movie of it. I think it's coming out soon. 
Yep, Mr. said yes, or he mouthed it. Um, you know anything about that? See, the Superior. I've never heard of it. I do know. I think the next mm. Stephen King movie coming out is I think it's called Dome or or something like that. Is that the new one coming out? Hopefully, it's not Under the Dome. Because CBS did a, a three season summer series called Under the Dome based on his book. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking about. I, honestly, I've never been a big fan of Stephen King. I know I'm in the minority when it comes to that. Um, but you know, I, I'm I'm here for a little more vampires. You know, I, I'm I'm always there for it. So. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't catch the mo the TV show Under the Dome. I, I don't think you need to. I'm sure the book was better. Um, you know, truth be told, I'm not that big a Stephen King book fan either. They don't scare me. Mm. They just actually, The Descent is really the only book that ever really scared me. That I was actually so scared I had to turn pages, but I almost dreaded it. Like The Stand, which I read as as an adult, not a child. Um, every time it got scary and spooky. The scene ended. Hmm. Um, so, but yeah, the, and some of his, I mean, he's also been prolific. So he writes so much. So like The Shining is amazing. Monkey yeah. Shines is amazing. Carrie is a classic. Cujo mm -hmm. is like, you know, everyone's fear because, you know, you have these monsters like uh, Godzilla or Jason or Freddy, which are, you know, they're just monsters. They're, they're, they're trying to kill. Michael Myers personalized it a little bit more, but then they, then they changed the story uh, that uh, uh, what's her name wasn't the sister. Um, but like Cujo, it's like everybody, you know, has a dog <laughs> and the mm -hmm. dog turns evil, <laughs> you know, and then he was derivative on himself with, you know, Christine uh, and then the one with the truck. So, but you know, he, he, he's like a machine and a lot of stuff he writes is good and a lot of it isn't good, but his son is Joe Hill and he's, he's written some great stuff too. I mean, I thought that show no Sirac, uh, Nostarafu, especially the first couple seasons, was re really excellent, really original. Um, that's good vampire stuff. A little bit of a different spin. Um, he also wrote a book called, I think it was called Heart Shaped Box. Really good. His movie, his book Horns became a movie. It was a terrible movie. Was that the one with um, Daniel, what was his name, from Harry Potter? Yes. Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah. <laughs> It was awful. The The book is better, but Heart Shaped Box is really good. Um, mm -hmm. And he, he he's also pretty pro prolific, but he also he's doing TV and movies at the same time. Actually, they 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 did something. I think it was The Outsider on HBO. And not only did they collaborate on it and executive produce it, but in the last scene, they Stephen King and his and Joe Hill played the paramedics. Who who loaded the the bodies in, into a ambulance? Mm. <laughs> oh, he pulled up the picture. Yeah, I definitely saw this movie. Yeah, Daniel was, Radcliffe. Mm -hmm. He was trying to get into his bad boy bag, like he was done with Harry Potter. So he said, "Let me throw these horns on and yeah, see how like, it goes." Hey, Stephen King's son, what could go wrong? Right, everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a, a, a lot went wrong, but he. He's still finding himself, but you know what? He, he's done a lot of weird stuff, but I think I think at some point he's going to stumble upon something else big. The good thing for him is he doesn't have to. Yeah. Harry Potter was such a, a success, and I think he did some play. Was it on Broadway when he was completely nude with a unicorn or something like that? <laughs> so he's definitely <laughs> doing whatever he wants at this point. What is it with British actors and loving to be nude on Broadway? You know, I think it – I think they – feel that it makes them more of an actor, you know, if you're completely nude, there's no 
there's nothing beyond that. If you can act in the new, then you can act in anything. I'm guessing. No, so. I think you, that makes sense that you're completely comfortable in your own skin and even taking on other characters. So mm-hmm. there's, there's no, you can transgress into, or, or transmute into anything. Got it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. So other vampire stuff. I read a book called the vampire of New York, which I actually enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, some people might not, not because it, it sort of is like, the spin of it is that Dracula never was a villain. He was always trying to be a hero and he's really a hero. It's just because of what he is and because of what followed him. He always got the, yeah, he was always like sort of the bad guy, sort of like the old Spider-Man, you know, where J. Jonah Jameson always labeled him the villain, even though he was the good guy, he was the misunderstood good guy. That, that's sort mm-hmm. of, uh, that's sort of how Dracula was that the world cast him as a bad guy, even though he tried to do heroic things. See, um, that's what I feel like if you, if, some, if someone's been a bad guy long enough, there will always be the, these books that come out that tries to flip it on his head and say, no, this is what he really was a good guy or had good intentions. Like, you know, Lucifer, mm-hmm. there, there's <laughs> those books and shows about him. Sure. There's um, what was the other son of King Arthur? Um, I forget his name, but I, I believe it starts with an M. And they had a whole thing about him actually being a good guy. Both. And, you know. Modred was the evil son. Yes. Okay. Yes. So there was a book that I read when I was younger. That he and it was with his half sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Morgana Le Fay. Yes. But they tried to, you know, paint him as this sympathetic anti hero. And yes, it seems like if you, if you live long enough to be a villain, yeah, you turn into a, a, a sympathetic hero at one point in time, which is really right. interesting. I can't remember Gary Oldman, but I can remember Morgana Le Fay. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know exactly right. But yeah, I, I think I think if you if you look hard enough, you can find the influence of the vampire in a lot of different places. Oh, what we do in the shadows is a comedy shot, sort of office style. It's on FX. It's got to be one of the best comedies, maybe ever. Except it's it's only in its third season, so I can't say it yet. But if it keeps on this trajectory, it's it's going to get there. And the guest stars in it are amazing because they just want to be part of the show. So Dave Bautista had like a bit role. Mark Hamill had a role. Um, this is, I mean, so many like really famous actors in really tiny little roles. And it, it, it's, it's sort of short uh, shot like office, modern family, parks and rec, sort of like sort of pseudo documentary style. And it's, now, it's, is this a British show or is this a, like American office? <laughs> no, it, it's it's American. Um, and one of the characters is an emotional vampire. And <laughs> he basically bores people or, or gets negative emotions out of them and he feeds off them. So he's like, he like goes to work at offices and no one's even sure he works there. He's just there to, you know, <laughs> to, to, to like feed off people being miserable in the office because oh. there's nothing more miserable than being in a cubicle. And like he's happy about it, so they're you know they're even more miserable. And he makes small talk, and no one wants to talk to him. And uh-huh. There was like one episode where he kept getting promoted, <laughs> and, and, and he was just miserable. And then he met another vampire who sort of fed off, you, you, you fed off emotional vampires. So he kept yeah, so he's a literal emotional vampire. <laughs> he's right. sucking. And and the funny thing is we all have them in our family or in our extended group, like the one person or people who come into the room and you're just like, oh, no, I need a nap. Mm -hmm. 
and he was that guy. But the whole thing is hysterical. There's this episode where Laszlo uh, has to go on the run because he uh, he's being chased by a vampire assassin because he transgressed, and he disguises himself as a perfectly normal human bartender serving perfectly normal human beverages, alcoholic beverages, because they don't you know drink, and the, the vampire assassin who's played by Mark Hamill stumbles into his bar and he, he re-identified himself as Jackie Daytona. And everybody loves Jackie Daytona there. Um, and Mark Hamill doesn't recognize him. And they're both pretending to drink a beer and they're both like waiting for the other one not to look and they throw it over their shoulders. Hmm. I'll add that to the list too. My list oh, is ever growing. <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, this one's easy because they're like 30, 35 minute shows. There's mm-hmm. only two and a half seasons so far, and you know you could you could easily catch up. And I mean they're they're hysterical. You'll you'll very do it. Oh, awesome. and uh, our producer says it's on Hulu as well. Perfect. Um, but yes, it does get deep into the familiars and the thralls, blood lineage. It it doesn't skimp on gore. Uh, talks about territory, but the funny thing is their territory is Staten Island. <laughs> so, mm. <laughs> I mean, what's more banal than that? Um, so it's, yeah, the, it's very cleverly written. Um, I don't know. It's uh, well worth watching. And of course, uh, the familiar Guillermo uh, is somehow a descendant of Van Helsing. And so I like this little sort of, you know, fat young adult uh, when he springs into action against vampires, it's like he's like Blade. He's like a super ninja. You know what? Speaking of Van Helsing, there was that movie that came out in the early 2000s with um, uh, Hugh Jackman and um, the the actress we mentioned her moments ago um, from Underworld. Kate Beckinsale. Yes. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember that movie. I don't think it took, honestly. I don't think a lot of people really enjoyed it, but it's it's interesting, you know, if, if that's your kind of movie, it was all right. You know, nothing to No, no, no. no. It, it, it wasn't all right. This was, <laughs> this, this was in like the, the like when they did like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And yeah. Everything was trying to be like Hellboy, but nothing could, sort of got it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there there's a Van Helsing series also with, I guess, his, you know, great, 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 great granddaughter or something. That That's better. But I think that was also on FX. I'm pretty sure that's on Netflix also. Um, I didn't watch a lot of it, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, but yeah, Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, she's her, Carla Gugino, uh, <laughs> Halle Barry, Selma Hayek, and Morgan Fairchild is like, you know, that, you know, and back to Cheryl Ladd and, and Raquel Hell Welsh. That's, that's what I like my, my lineage of, you know, Boyhood crushes. By the mm-hmm. way, Morgan Fairchild follows me on Twitter, oh, nice. <laughs> and I, and I'm so excited about that. <laughs> like Morgan freaking Fairchild follows me. You know what? Um, there he um brought up the Castlevania on Netflix, and mm-hmm. I have not seen it. There's something I I do enjoy anime, but right, something anime about girl. that style of anime never catches me. I I might check it out because I've heard some good things about it. Um, but yeah, I've always see it on Netflix. Every time I log in, Netflix is pushing the show on me as like highly recommended. Yeah, so, I'm I'll surprised that you didn't bring that that one up because there there's a lot of vampires, including uh, you know monsters that are vampire like in uh, in anime as well. I mean, of course, there's the whole hentai. I think it's called. Oh, 
And then, you know, and then, and then there's like, you know, and then like Ascus is that. And not that I don't think it's hentai. Not, no. I think he's saying I shouldn't bring it up or go there. Um, <laughs> oh, manga. Okay. All right. Oh, what, what, oh, hentai is like the monster porn or something. I say, I, I need to. <laughs> I know so little about anime, but I'm actually doing a show um, on anime in the near future. And because I know nothing, it's going to be a primer. It's going to be like 101 to 201 for someone like me. So, mm-hmm. I don't know why you're laughing. I mean, we're allowed to say porn on this show, actually. I mean, I, we haven't cursed yet, but I sometimes put the explicit on there. The funny thing is tomorrow on the Land of the Lost one, we'll definitely put the explicit because I'm going to do it right now because I use the, you know, the wrestling line. Why did this happen? Because fuck you, that's why. So <laughs> I taught the, I taught these nice two suburban girls to or women to to say fuck you, that's why they, oh, they do that to you now. So it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, and I'm saying tomorrow because uh, we're ta- we're recording that tomorrow. And those of you who are regular listeners to the show, you know that I don't necessarily drop the shows in the same order and record them. So this should come as no surprise to you. But if it does, that that's why that makes no sense to you. Um, but anyway, what else can you tell me about vampires and any, and any other sort of, uh, African, African-American black lore literature in the horror, you know, vampire adjacent grounds? You know what? That's all I had prepared for today. Um, but I did enjoy talking with you all about, you know, vampirisms and all of that. And I, I appreciate the invite on the show. I had a great time. Um, it's a very uh, extensive subject as far as vampires. They've been around for many, many years, and we could go on forever. Um, I, 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 but I did enjoy this conversation with you, and I hope to be back again when, um, if you ever get a chance to invite me on. But yeah, as long as I have Sundays, I have content that I need. So believe me, I'm, I'm gonna come back to you for a bunch of stuff because you're into geek culture and you know, sure a, a lot of this show is, is geek culture. Um, and geek culture also blends into what I will call without pejorative pseudoscience culture, uh, mm-hmm. paranormal research culture, which I, which I love. I, I don't diminish it at all. Uh, and I absolutely believe more in aliens than I do in angels and demons. I just think that they're the same thing. Same. So there we go. Oh, my God. I gave away the ending. Uh, Cancel the show. (laughs) I spoiled the end. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me on. The Island Unlost. It was purgatory all along. Uh, Oh, snap. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Spoiler (laughs) alert from a show that went off the air 13 years ago. (laughs) I'm the worst. All right. Thank you very much. See the Superior. See, tell them where they can find you. Um, you can find me again on YouTube at See the Superior or on Instagram at See the Superior. Um, I post funny things, you know, just come and talk to me. I'm there. She and... has some powerful eyebrows. So she makes some powerful <laughs> expressions with her face. Yes, I do. So... She knows how to use them. <laughs> yes. It's so like just ZZ come top and... legs, except it's eyebrows. Yeah. Come and take a look at my eyebrows. Tell me how they look. You know, let's let's chat with a little eyebrow. Uh... <laughs> you, you, you and my my girlfriend La Sakaria can have an eyebrow battle. See, eyebrows are where it's at. Y- your right. face isn't complete unless you have a great set of eyebrows. <laughs> See, the superior La Sakaria would, would make a, a daunting tactic. See, I'm down for it. <laughs> Those of you who want to know where La Sakaria is, she's in South America, unstabilizing governments, stabilizing other things, fulfilling <laughs> contracts, leaving blood trails wherever she goes. 
showing off those fabulous eyebrows. <laughs> Listen, everything about it is fabulous. It's, it, 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 she's, she's a work of art. It's, it, I mean, I must be Nephilim that, 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 that I found this one. <laughs> oh, that's adorable. Mm -hmm. But again, thank you all. And again, follow me on Instagram at, uh, at Stephen Superior and shoot me a message. Thank you so much for coming on, C. Really appreciate it. We're definitely going to uh, call on you again. Right. See you guys. The Garden of Doom with Jeff Lipman. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash farm energy assessment.